Uh, we're continuing our series this morning on uh, pathways to peace, a plan for daily peace. Um, I want to review quickly where we've been. We're in, we're in uh, choice four this morning, uh, and this, the, the first three choices are as follows. The first, I choose to invest my hope in God. Secondly, I choose to trust God's narrative about my future. Thirdly, I choose a diet of thoughts that will lead me towards peace. And then today, I choose to rest on purpose so that I can run with peace. All right, now we take a little quiz here um, to kind of take a snapshot of how we're doing in this whole area of resting well so that we can run hard with peace. Okay, so need a piece of paper, number one through six, and let me just ask you, the following questions. First, in the last four weeks, I've, enjo- I've enjoyed four days off, days that were refreshing and carefree. Okay, if that's 100% true for you, put a check uh, by number one. Number two, this past week I've had five nights of sleep that were seven to eight hours in duration. Okay, if that's, that's true for you, put a check. Number, th- number three, I experience the presence of God on a regular basis um, in personal devotion. So we'll just say very broadly, your personal devotion would be the rhythms that you have to seek God. So I experience the presence of God on a regular basis. Place a check mark if that's 100% true for you. Okay, number four, I took a full day of personal retreat in the last six months. Okay, that's true for you? Put a check. Number five, I enjoyed four evenings this past week with no out-of-the-home obligations. Okay, that's true for you? Put a check. Number six, I took all of my vacation time last year. Okay, that's true for you? Put a check. All right, now let's do a little scoring here. As a snapshot, no, it's, it's in fairness, I didn't prepare you for this quiz, right? So, um, zero to three, if you have zero to three check marks, the probability is that you are running on empty, okay? Number four, if you have four check marks, uh, probably there are some significant ga- gaps in your resting well in order to run hard. If you have five to six checks there, it, it appears that you have some life-giving rhythms established in your life, uh, to rest well in order to run hard with peace. All right, now, we're going to take a look this morning um, at a biblical character that gives us a snapshot into the relationship between rest, resting well, running hard, and doing it over the long haul. We're going to look at the character uh, of Elijah. Now, interesting, interesting uh, character in the Bible if you haven't revisited this section in 1 Kings, really great read to hear about his life. Um, verse, chapter 17, 18, 18 in particular is action-packed. Um, now, what happened in Elijah's uh, life, however, is that despite his dedication to the good, despite all that he did in his spiritual journey uh, to bring about goodness, and to fight spiritual battles, 
um, he came to a point in his life that we're going to look at in chapter 19 um, where, where he had a significant experience of exhaustion. All right? Now, what we know from 1 Kings 19 is that after the high points of chapter 18, the queen, Jezebel, of that time, who did not like Elijah, put a hit on him. So basically, she took a vow and said, I'm not going to sleep or eat until Elijah's dead. So she sent all of her people out after him. Um, Elijah, like, you know, perhaps you or me, freaked out at this um, and took off running. So that's what we see in chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 19. Elijah is literally running for his life. He ran for a full day um, out from the city areas into the wilderness to try to get away from, you know, the death threat on his life. We pick this up in verse 4, and this is what the text tells us. Elijah went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Okay, now we have a lot of prayers recorded, you know, recorded for us in sacred, the sacred text. Um, and here's one. It is a prayer for death. Okay, and I want you to note that this man, Elijah, the prophet, uh, came to a point of such, of such total depletion that what he wanted most was the end. Okay? Now, Elijah was a good man. He was definitely having a moment, as we say, right? Elijah's meltdown came not out of a vacuum, but after a long period of spiritual battles, high pressure, intense conflicts, emotional highs and lows, strenuous physical exertion. Sounds a lot like life, doesn't it? So if you would have taken a snap, we're looking at a snapshot of Elijah, if you would back, back that up a little bit to the preceding three years, there were tremendous spiritual victories. There was incredible spiritual intention. There was incredible spiritual faithfulness and resolve. There was, a, there was incredible spiritual expenditure of energies. This was not a man that was sidetracked in his life. This was a man who was focused. He was dedicated to the good. And yet, all of that backstory led him to a place of total exhaustion and depletion. Ever feel something like this? It's not generally for your conversation, most of the churches that I've attended. But there is a chronic weariness, sometimes a profound depletion of the spirit, a discouragement that can accompany even the best of men and women, even the best of Christians. And in this incredible, startling text, we get a raw and real look into the depths of a man who had come to the end of his resources. Now, this talk that I'm going to give you about resting well in order to run with peace is based in bucket theory 101. Okay, here's, the, here's the basic underlying 
assumption. If you think of your life as a bucket that can be either full or empty, bucket theory would say this, you can't give what you don't have. Right? Right? Okay, so in the big picture, when we zoom out and think about spirituality over the long haul, we are often taught a lot about disciplines of engagement. In other words, how to be in the battle, how to be putting your life into action, how to be engaging various things that need to be engaged in order to be on the cutting edge of the spiritual life. What we are not taught very frequently about is that along with disciplines of engagement, we also see in the life of Jesus and in the scriptures very, very clear teaching about disciplines of withdrawal. So in other words, we're taught quite a bit about rest. And we're also taught about human limitations, that we are not infinite. And so we see Jesus, for example, often fully engaged in the messiness of life and ministry and people and demands. We also see him uh, piecing out. Literally saying, guys, it's time to withdraw here to the mountaintops or to the wilderness, to quiet. Um, and it's, t- it's time to intentionally, on purpose, to withdraw from some things in order, to, in order to be able to engage them more fully. Follow what I'm saying? Bucket Theory 101. Okay, so back to our text. Verse 5 then says, So Elijah, in this moment of deep meltdown and exhaustion lays down under the bush and he falls asleep. All at once, an angel, presuming from God, touched him and said, Elijah, what are you doing sleeping on the job? You're you're a prophet of the living God. Stop whining. Get up. Dig deeper and do your spiritual duty. Oh, that's not what it says, does it? An angel all at once touched him and said, get up and eat. He ate and drank, and then he went back to sleep. Now here's the first thing that I want you just to note. Physical rest is key. It's part of emotional and spiritual peace. If we were to ask the question, what is happening with Elijah? We could look at this account and have several very legitimate perspectives. We could say, well, Elijah is suicidal. He needs to call 1-800, whatever, get help. And that would be accurate, right? He was in fact, praying to die. We could say Elijah is emotionally overwhelmed. You know, and he needs to get counseling. Okay, and nothing wrong with that. You know, perhaps. We could also just say that Elijah is absolutely, totally exhausted and he needs to sleep. Right? My point here is that physical, the physical, is part of the emotional. The physical is part of the spiritual. 
you could make the argument that part of the emotional and spiritual crisis that Elijah was having was actually physical. And in fact, the text seems to lend credence to that because the ministrations of God in this story actually are sleep and food and drink. Put a parenthesis in it for a second, and let me just note. Is life in America going faster or slower? Despite all of the collective fear that we have that America is losing its work ethic, etc., the data actually speaks, at least for significant parts of our population, to a different story. We are actually working harder, not less. We are working more. In fact, Americans have the longest week we work weeks on average in the developed world. A, a portion of our population, over 10 million of us, work more than 60 hours a week. We have mo the most productivity per worker in the developed world, including more than Japan, which is notorious for its insane work ethic. We're the only developed country in the world with no mandatory vac vacation for its workforce. One third of Americans will take no vacation this year. Simultaneously, we are sleeping less. Now, there's lots of reasons for this. 70 million Americans have diagnosable sleep issues. Okay, this is not just I'm not sleeping well. This is like I haven't been sleeping well for long enough that it can be diagnosed. Okay? Lots of experts weighing in on this, but one of the, the strongly correlated factors for the reason why Americans are not sleeping is the high presence of cortisol, which is a stress hormone in the blood. Now, obviously not a physician here. But it is a cycle. The more stress, the more cortisol. The more cortisol, the less sleep. The less sleep, the more stress. You get the picture? Thirty-five percent of Americans sleep, sleep less than seven hours a night. By the way, there is a correlation between, this is not the only factor going into lack of sleep is work, but if you do work more than 60 hours a week, you also, you also are highly likely to sleep less than six hours a night. So there is, a, there is an inverse relationship or whatever between work uh, and sleep. Sleep deprivation costs over $100 billion in lost productivity, health expenses, and by the way, children and adolescents are facing a sleep epidemic that is a health and developmental crisis. This is partly because of media and other, other things, but it's also because of the relentless pressure that kids are being put, placed under to build their resumes from the age of four, to get into the right places, the right colleges, to get the right jobs, to start the whole cycle over again. Uh, this is insanity. Back to our text. <laughs> then the angel of the Lord, verse 7, came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat. Now note this. For the journey is too much for you. Now you might be asking the question, 
You know, to all this talk about rest and the physicality, you know, uh, how does God actually think about our physical limitations? Well, in this text, you've got an angel putting the prophet to bed. You have an angel, in this case, diagnosing the core of the issue here as overwhelm of the fact that the journey sometimes in life is too much. You see, the, see the, God's response to the human being is not, to look, is, is not infinite looking at the finite saying, you should, be, you should be infinite. It's the infinite looking at the finite saying, you are not God. You actually have a body. You actually have limitations. You cannot say yes to everything without eventually saying a big no to your peace. God responds to Elijah's overwhelm with understanding about his physical limitations. And here's the the second point here. God's plan for your peace and mine involves us taking time to care for our bodies, to slow down. Do you realize that slowing down, not just doing more, is also spiritual? It's actually from God. It's like part of his plan. This is why, I, this is why the point to peace here is that we must learn how to rest on purpose if we're going to run with peace, and this is part of spirituality. The text tells us in verses 8 and 9 that strengthened by that food, Elijah traveled 40 days and nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Now, I want you to notice that Elijah's next step after having slept, after having been strengthened by, by the angel's care ministrations for his body, was actually not immediately back to the battle. It was 40 days and 40 nights farther into the wilderness. And the text tells us that this journey farther away was for the, pl- for the purpose of encounter in the deep places of his soul with a God that he had not yet come to know. Which is quite a statement when you think of Elijah's pedigree. And he needed more experience with God in places that he had not yet reached. Here's the point. The journey toward inner peace often requires distance or time away from outer noise. This is the principle of solitude. We talked about sleep, we talked about slowing down, now we're talking about solitude. There was a reason why Jesus often would leave the crowds and go to where? The wilderness. Because sometimes we need context where we are free from the chaos, the pace, the noise, in order to, we need the outer circumstances in order to develop the inner experience. We need, in other words, to be alone. Do you have any kind of practice in your life 
that on purpose cultivates the quiet. Okay, because this is what Elijah is learning here. Then verse 11, the text tells us that Elijah, after 40 days and 40 nights, comes to a cave. He's obviously seeking desperately for questions that are at the very core of his being, right, at this point, wanting to die, being completely depleted and exhausted. And it's interesting that the Lord tells him to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. Now, you know the little saying that we, that we throw around? Don't just stand there. Do something. Well, sometimes it's don't just do something. Stand there. I'm serious. Seems counterintuitive, right? Now, as Elijah stands in the solitude, in the wilderness, in the quiet, as he just stands there, the Lord sends him a series of experiences. And believe me, this, these, as far as I'm concerned reading this text, this was carefully crafted to make a ginormous punctuation mark on the point. Okay? Here's the first thing. Wind. Okay? Surely God, the God of power, is in the wind, but he wasn't. Now an earthquake. Right? God is not in the earthquake. Now a fire. God is not in the fire. What, how does God speak to Elijah in this passage? Gentle whisper. What precisely can you never hear if your life is completely full and saturated with noise, you'll never, you'll never hear the whisper. This experience of God can only come in the quiet. And this is the point. God wanted Elijah to learn that when it comes to spirituality, it's not just in the activity. It's not just in the signs of power and the drama and the things that we put in our storybooks, the engagement. That there is a profound experience of God in yourself, therefore life, that you must have if you want to run the journey with peace that only comes in the quiet. Here's the fourth thing. Clar the clarity necessary for peace often emerges in silence. Now listen, listen to this for a minute. We know this intuitively, intuitively if we will just stop for a second and listen to our own soul. Clarity emerges in silence. It does. You can think all the way back to high school when you were trying to work out your algebra. Right? You've got a tough problem. If it was complex, you naturally gravitate to a quiet place in order to get your focus in order to process things out. And it's the same way now as adults. Complexity, clarity for complexity, only comes 
in the silence. Now, let's do a thought experiment for a second. If you have no practice of silence, and I'm not going to embarrass you by asking you to raise your hands. You're Americans. I know that most of you have no, absolutely no, you're like, what? A practice of, of what? Of silence? Like, if you are not silent on purpose, let's do a thought experiment. If clarity emerges from silence and you have no practice of silence, guess what you don't have? If you don't have clarity, how do you know what to say yes or no to in a, like, a really chaotic world? If you don't know how to say yes or no, isn't it true that your life is a spiraling experiment in reactivity? I mean, aren't you basically just reacting to your life? Isn't your life essentially organizing you? And when I talk to people, that's their experience. Like you say, well, how's it going? Well, it's a lot. Well, what's a lot? Well, it's just a lot of a lot. Eventually, we don't even know how to say this or that. We realize that it's out of control, but how to unravel it? Yeah, that's the experience of a group of people who never learn the wisdom of withdrawal. Okay, and this is what's happening to Elijah. So in the, in the silence, he begins to hear the gentle whisper that begins to reorient his life and it's interesting that eventually God sends him back. The instructions that he gets are actually to go back the way you came. In other words, the instructions are not new life for Elijah. The instructions are actually old life for Elijah in a new way. And this is exactly what disciplines of withdrawal cultivate in our life. We, we have encounters with God and with ourselves that enable us to live the life that we actually have with new perspective. If I were to boil all that down into a rhythm that God has given for us, woven into creation, it's the very first thing in the Bible in Genesis 2-3 that he actually calls holy, I would just say that that wisdom is summed up in the word Sabbath. Okay, which got, you know, that concept got grossly misinterpreted by the, the Pharisees of that time, and so they were constantly like trying to put people in prison around whether they did anything on the Sabbath, and so there was all kinds of encounters. But you remember Jesus says in the middle of it, like, you guys are approaching this all wrong. You're, you're approaching it like, like, it's, a, like it's, a, it's a rule that offends God. The Sabbath, Jesus said, was actually made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Okay, so in my tradition, we kind of like, Psh, well, I guess it's not important. No, actually, it's really, really important. It's like a gift. It's like something built into, into, uh, into your daily or your weekly rhythm that allows you to reorient. It's a stop, an opportunity for a stop in the midst of the cray-cray that enables you to reorient. Okay? Now, my family's back there going, physician, heal thyself, okay? So here, so here we go. <laughs> Choice number four. I choose to rest on purpose so I can run with peace. Now, I'm at right at, according to my watch, 12 o'clock. I'll take five more minutes of your time, all right? I need some help. Andy, would you help me? 
Ryan, would you help me? Uh, can you pass these handouts out? Um, maybe one more person over here. Tammy, would you help me? Can you? Yeah, there you go. Okay. All right, so what I'm handing you um, actually is from Run Hard, Rest Well. There's a, there's a lady named Brenda Jenks who has a ministry called Run Hard, Rest Well. She's the one that came up with bucket theory, okay? Um, this is actually a little exercise in bucket theory 101. Now, I would just send this home with you and say, you know, we'll do some homework before next week, but, but I know that you're exactly like me and you will, you will not do it. Okay, so, so we're going to take five minutes, okay? Now, as you get this handout, you will notice... Um, that there is a four-bucket inventory. It, has basically, it basically has divided your life up into four buckets, relational, spiritual, physical, and emotional, okay? Now, if you want to know definitions for that, she has them right there on, this, on the page, okay? Now, what you're going to do is take a pen or pencil, and you're going to mark, like as of this morning, like if you were just to be honest with yourself, no one's going to see this, so it's just for you, how full is your bucket in each of these four dimensions. Okay, how full is it? If it was a reservoir, remember, you can't give what you don't have, so you both, the, the, the spiritual life is about both giving and receiving. So how full is your life? Now, if you look at your bucket and it's like pretty low, there's, there's a couple of possible reasons for that. One is that, you're, that you don't have rhythms that actually fill it. Right? You're not proactively making investments. The other side of the page takes the disciplines that I mentioned throughout the sermon and gives you those practices as a, as a way of filling them. You can look at those later. Right now, what you're looking for, because here's, here's the second reason why your bucket may be full. You might have a hole in your bucket. Right? You might have a hole in your bucket. You might think about that area and go, man, it's low because I'm bleeding energy. You know, I'm bleeding energy. And so what, what she's saying to do is mark your level and then draw a little hole, you know, your own version of a hole, and write in there what that hole is. Or, or maybe you would say, it's not a hole, it's a stress factor. I can't sleep, so I've been binge-watching binge Netflix. Okay, and, and if I keep doing that for another, like, month, uh, it's going to be a hole. So that's a stress fracture, right? Um, I'll just say this because I want to. I've talked to enough people, and again, this is not judgment. When you can't sleep, like that's that's not you know that, that's not a minor deal. Like it's like that chronic lack of sleep is a big deal. A lot of people struggle with it. Seventy million Americans, right? So there's people in here that do. I've talked to lots of people who say, you know, I work super hard. I'm trying to unwind a little bit, and the way that, what helps me relax is alcohol, okay? I just, it's a little bit of a nightcap. If you're using alcohol to manage your, your chronic sleep disorder, that is a great way to become an alcoholic. I'm just telling you. So that's not judgment. That's just a little free, like I want to be able to say it in church, like there's Christian people, uh, in here who are using alcohol to manage chronic exhaustion. Cycles of this. And if that's you, like we, you know, we're not going to judge you. We just want to talk to you. 
get you resources, and there is a better way to do that, and we want to help, okay? Take five minutes um, and fill out your Here's your parting challenge. This week, I want you to experiment with a rest on purpose that will help you run with peace. Okay, so here's the the baby step. I'd like you to set aside two to three hours sometime this week to rest. And the only requirement is that you do something that brings brings you genuine delight. I want to get outside, make sure you turn off your phone, release yourself from some of the demands, and rest on purpose, knowing that this is part of God's plan for you to run with peace. Amen? Um, the Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. Uh, the Lord may shine the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace.